I didn't hear any of those. That makes me very nervous. Uh, coming up on Verse Course Verse, <laughs> it's the beginning of spooky season, and we're on our third episode, so you're all vets. You know what's up. That's next. Welcome to Verse Course Verse. I am DL. Hope everybody's doing well with me. Rachel, whatever last name, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Good. I thought there was going to be more. No. Than that. No, I feel like. So I was waiting for the pin to drop. Yeah, no. You have so many rules about when you're supposed to use what last name for you. I don't know what I'm. It's a panic every time I almost say it. (laughs) Depends on what document I'm signing. Okay. Also with us is Evil, who's had the same last name his whole life. Evil, how are you? I'm doing well. These are some of my favorite episodes to do. So. Yes, these are good episodes. You're correct, Evil. I don't know what's going on with me. I've actually been very, very sick the last couple of days, like fever and all that fun stuff. So maybe that's... Maybe that's it. It's the great purge after the sickness. Anyway, we have a guest with us. <laughs> uh, with us for the third time is Miss Rachel Reeves. Rachel, how are you doing? Oh my gosh, so happy to be back. It's spooky season. I like this tradition. Just keep it going. What's not to love? Thanks for having me back. First weekend in October, every year, we're just going to steal you. So... I'm fine with that. This is the best. This is when I thrive. I, you know, I, I just inject that pumpkin spice into my veins, and I am like, this is it. This is where I was meant to be. <laughs> Rachel Reeves, if you have not listened to the first two times we did this in season one and season two, first of all, how dare you? But second of all, she is a podcaster, film journalist, blogger, everything you can about horror films, horror scores. Uh, music in general. She worked at the greatest vinyl store in the history of the world for, uh, how long did you work at the Record Exchange? Like 13 years, yeah. Nice. Yeah. A yeah. minute. <laughs> Dread Central, The Daily Grindhouse, Valingo. She co-hosts The Losers Club, which is the Stephen King podcast, which is incredibly good podcast. Also, Halloweenies, which I wasn't aware of until now. Is that new? Yeah, so I recently, like within the last six months, joined that crew. But yeah, that's a a horror franchise podcast with some of the same folks from the Losers Club. So just covering specifically horror related stuff. And then you also have the pod and the pendulum. Mm -hmm. And you have the girls on the boys, which I'm assuming is about the movie boys on the side how'd you know no No. it's just about new kids on the block yeah and we just talk about boy bands um no so it's about the amazon prime series the boys gotcha so we're going through that because that show is amazing you guys if you haven't seen it i have a very hard time watching that show yeah well you know the most powerful person on earth is a piece of shit that's a hard thing to what to it's really, awesome. <laughs> it's very disturbing. It is, but they're so clever and the writing is amazing. And like, yeah, I'm telling you, I it's got a, a whole show. podcast on it. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard her credentials. So you know why we have to have her every year to talk Halloween scores. We do this every year. We try to pick a, what do you say? Like a cream of the crop, infamous classic top 10 of all time score. And then we try to pick an out of left field, maybe a little funny, maybe a little stupid, maybe just a little different. And then we pick one that I don't know how we do it. Maybe just makes for a good soundtrack. Sure. We pick three. We talk about three. There's basically just a really good jazz record (laughs) that we're going to talk about. Um, (laughs) Rachel, are you a big Charlie Brown fan? Rachel Reeves. Sorry. (laughs) See, I was going to get confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just assume he's always talking to you on these episodes. <laughs> I mean, Charlie Brown, I mean, what's not to love? Like, it's just so adorable oh, and wholesome. Lucy. Like, I love that cunt. Fuck that bitch. Oh, wow. Seriously. <laughs> Strong I could word. talk for hours on that. <laughs> I mean, love, I feel like, is a strong word. But at the same time, I feel like Charlie Brown is just like part of life. Like, it's always yeah. there. Evil, kind of the same question. Because you and I have, we hadn't ever really been big jazz talkers to each other until this year. And then it kind of started. 
Are you like huge fan, kind of fan, new fan? We all grew up with that music. I don't think I really looked at it as jazz. Just like I don't look at Mr. Rogers as jazz, even though it's very, those, both of those, mm. very much jazz. But it's just like childhood music to me. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what makes that the soundtrack we're going to talk about magical, if you will. Is it, it's, oh, it, it, yeah, nostalgic. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very nostalgic and it's super clever. I am like a a jazz troglodyte. I love jazz, but I <laughs> do not profess to be any kind of expert or even cultured in jazz. Evil like jazz. <laughs> jazz, jazz good. <laughs> Rachel there. Polio. Okay, Rachel there Polio. You have infamously been the person on the show that had never seen X movie every time we've had this episode. That is Were true. there one of these on this one? Mm. Had you yes. never seen Jaws? I've never had you seen never I never seen Holy Jaws. Holy shit, really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I didn't absorb somehow through American culture the ending of Psycho. So I was actually surprised and excited. I love that. Um, Jaws. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, Jaws, awesome. I think I, I knew the ending, so it wasn't as... But yes, no, I had never seen Jaws before, and that is embarrassing. But now I have, so we can talk about it. I'm excited. Well, yeah. I'm going to get in. I'm going to ask you more about that. First, we got to get into the most important part of the night. What are we drinking? I'm going to start with Rachel Reeves because over the last <laughs> couple of years, she has not been a drinker. And it kind of, I saw what she was drinking, and I want to make sure I know what it is. Oh, what are you drinking tonight? Well, keeping the streak alive Sparkly and just going to, <laughs> yep, town on some cranberry lime seltzer. Oh. I thought it was V8. Oh, God, gross. I'm not like 85. She's not a you don't like V8? <laughs> no, I hate you're, tomatoes. No, why would I want to drink them? Like a lifelong vegetarian. And you I know. Hate... I hate tomatoes. It makes no wow. sense. Wow. Sparkling water it is. Rachel Polio, yeah. you didn't have much time here. What'd you go with? I didn't, but you know, I had stuff in the fridge. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. I actually purchased for Malibu myself. Malibu cocktail. It's a Malibu cocktail. It's a pina colada. These are good. I had one when I was recording one of the YouTubers. Yeah, you did. You got they, a, I expected them to be sparkly. I heard that it took sparkly. you about five minutes to start slurring when I was editing that. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for being so high in alcohol for me, but. Evil, what about you? Uh, I've not tried this yet. Allegedly, this is Vince Guiraldi's favorite drink. Oh. Really? Whiskey and root beer. Oh, interesting. Of course he would drink root beer. Of course he <laughs> What would. kind of whiskey, Evil? <laughs> kind of like a... Uh, Buffalo Weird. Trace. Is it like a sarsaparilla yeah, tasting kind of thing? Kind of. It is. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know if you can see it. It's Virgil's root mm. beer. It's very nice. good. Wow. Handcrafted wow. by hands and then Buffalo <laughs> Trace. It's like a rum and coke, but it's whiskey root beer. <laughs> I am drinking the same thing I drink every year. It's actually my favorite drink of the year. It's an apple teeny. It's a real apple teeny though. Soak some Granny Smith apples in Everclear for 24 hours mm. and then make apple liqueur out of that with citric acid, sugar, water. The apple teeny is that with some apple jack and lime and it's amazing. It's uh, fancy. It's the greatest smelling drink you'll ever. It really just smells like an apple orchard. It's the greatest thing ever. Have we talked about my my fall chartreuse experiment yet? This would be a good good episode. Yeah. So uh, if you're into cocktails, you might be feeling the pinch that yellow and green chartreuse are more and more difficult to come by because of the monks and expensive now how dare they have decided to focus a little bit more on being monks than making booze <laughs> making for the world. booze yeah <laughs> <laughs> and everyone and their dog now makes craft cocktails at home so uh but i've stumbled upon recipes to roughly estimate each of those yellow and green chartreuse to roll your own so i'm going to try to do that this fall you're gonna try to make your own chartreuse yep, yep. All right. Holy shit. And evil gets one step closer to becoming a monk. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into this episode. All those podcasts that Rachel was talking about, all the ones that she's on, all the horror stuff that she does. You can find her on Instagram at the vinyl girl. I believe it's three R's <laughs> and no I. So the vinyl G-R-R-R-L. Correct. Rachel also has incredible interviews soundtrack supervisors and uh, score writers and composers have you done any lately we've got two pretty fun ones coming out so i just um had one publish alan Howarth worked with john carpenter mm. did halloween three through onward and jesus christ 
Big Trouble in Little China, They Live, Whoa. Prince of Darkness. He's also an incredible like sound designer. Like the sound of the Enterprise in oh, like all the Star, the Star Trek, Trek movies. Nice. Like Total oh. Recall. Like, yeah. Hunt for Red Jesus Christ, this guy is yeah. huge. Yes. So he's super interesting. I've been a fan of his for a long time. I totally geeked out and met him at a con like six years ago. And so it was really cool to finally actually be able to like talk to him and stuff. So yeah, I have that interview that just came out. And then um, John Massari, who's another film composer. He did Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <gasps> Love and, it. Um, yeah. 40th and 40th anniversary this year. I don't know if you knew that. 35th. Oh, 35th. Damn it. I knew it was a big one. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, both Rachels. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun movie, you guys. It's and so that good. score is super fun. And John's a super nice guy. And That's he's awesome. also got an incredible career, has worked on a ton of stuff, um, orchestrating and behind the scenes kind of stuff. So that'll be coming out soon as well. Very cool. That is uh, very, very, very cool. Uh, so yeah, as you see, she does this <laughs> for a living, man. So I wish, almost, not quite. <laughs> this is why she's so much better at it than we are. Oh. Uh, we are going to take a break and then we are going to talk about three very awesome score slash soundtracks. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You want to Absolutely. kick us off? Absolutely. It's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It was a television special, came out in 1966. It was the third Charlie Brown special. The first one being Christmas. Was Christmas, right? yeah. And then Charlie Brown All Stars was the next one. All three of which were scored by uh, jazz pianist Vince Guaraldi, who, like I said before, I'm a bit of a troglodyte, but that music is kind of in my veins because I grew up with it. This special aired every single year up until 2020, at which point it became part of Apple TV's paywall, I guess you will say. That's how I watched it this year, Apple TV. Um, I didn't realize it was as short as it is. As a, It's only like 25 minutes long, the, the special. Yeah, it's short. It's super short. It's just like a cartoon episode length. Does PBS hold no rights to this anymore? Like not even, they can't even show up for like one night a year? I don't think so. What the, f God, no the world idea. is going to hell. I'm telling you what. I did not know. I've heard this music. I've heard that the, the Christmas special music had no clue that the main theme is Linus and Lucy, not Charlie Brown's theme. That I did not oh. know. So I mm. learned something new. I also learned that this this version, which Vince, he did many versions of the Linus and Lucy theme. This is widely regarded as one of, if not the best version. And part of it's the flute, which I think is super cool as well. You said widely regarded as one of the best because of the flute. Yeah. Is that you just read that studying? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently is a good counter to... The arrangement and it hadn't been included up until this point. Whimsical, I, yeah, if I you will. Have, I think I have more to say on that, but uh, not uh, yet. Uh, <laughs> Rachel Reeves, are you a jazz person? I mean, I appreciate jazz. That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> I played jazz in, in high school and studied it in college, but if I'm just going to like throw something on, oh, I hate to say it. It's probably not going to be jazz. I think jazz is great live. Like oh, I always, yeah. like I enjoy seeing yeah. it. Just improv? Are you kidding me? Like that is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like kind of blows my mind like how how they do it. But yeah, it's not going to be in my my top Spotify play stuff <laughs> at the end of the year. Hey Polio, what hey. about you? Uh, this seems kind of you're a big time, tis the season, you have to have your traditions type of person. Yes. It's not Great Pumpkin that's the annual have to watch, to be honest. But I do own this on digital video disc, which means I loved it at one point enough to purchase it for forever. But this definitely has, Rach was saying, you know, there's a place for jazz. And for me, that place is during the holidays. And so this kind of kicks off like mm. Christmas and jazz are great. And this kind of kicks off the holiday season. So I think that this soundtrack works really well for that. I'm not going to put jazz on for fun, but I definitely love this album and love Christmas jazz and all those things. That's a good point that I like. Seasonal music, jazz is usually way up there. Yeah. With Halloween kicking off, 
the seasons, mm-hmm. maybe that's something that I hadn't thought about that I like so much about this album because this kind of is the first album that you hear that puts you in that, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh shit, it's fall. It's time mm-hmm. to start getting stressed out about family stuff. <laughs> I have a take on this. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Go on. Halloween is its own thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's like empty period between Halloween and Thanksgiving where it's not really acceptable to start listening to Christmas music, which I think is bullshit because you could listen to that <laughs> year round, in my opinion. But as I was listening to this and there's a Thanksgiving playlist that I found and I'm like, this is like the perfect music to kind of ramp up into Christmas music without listening yeah. to proper Christmas music. So yeah. that's a really good I, point. I feel like that I'm going to be spinning this from here on until I croak <laughs> between Halloween and Thanksgiving. I'm a huge, huge fan of Garaldi. I love this sort of music. This sort of smooth jazz is right up my alley. I love the, the snare brush, the double bass, the comp piano, the thing that gets me about the soundtrack that you were is the woodwinds, the flutes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like that you said that evil because it is, I love the Christmas Charlie Brown record. I think that's incredible. It's one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite jazz albums, period. But I was listening to the, I don't usually listen to this one that much and listening to studying for this, I was realizing that I kind of really, really love it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I do. I think it's because of the woodwinds. So good job. What's his name? Geraldi. <laughs> no, not that one. The dude that uh, does oh, the, the woodwinds. The flautist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Ronnie Lang. Okay. You know he also played saxophone on the Taxi Driver score. What? Saxophone. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> I like these, you know, instrumentation and these solo moments from the woodwinds because it, to me, it helps sell like that the kid mm-hmm. dynamic a little bit more. There's all these different characters, yep. and they have you know these different. Instru- it's oh, not yeah. quite as stripped yeah. down as some of the others, so it feels like it's a little bit more involved. It's still simple, and it still has that kind of childlike innocence. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually capturing a little bit more of the the entire cast of characters instead of like the core Charlie yeah. Brown Snoopy yeah. kind of thing. When Snoopy is doing the leaf thing, mm-hmm. and the flute's mm-hmm. playing, and it's almost it's kind of like a Peter and the Wolf kind of piccolo yeah. going. Yeah. You do. You have that sort of different thing for every. This is such a, even from the beginning, the Linus and Lucy, where it's Lucy making Linus grab the biggest pumpkin. That's, you know, Lucy is a bitch part one. Uh, but even that is just the Linus and Lucy score. A lot of this movie is just the score. Yeah. The Snoopy Baron stuff where he's sneaking around in the dark. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. And the music is so important in this film or short or I don't know. What do you even call this? It's a special. It's a special. Yeah. I like it. Rachel said it sounds, it still sounds very childlike. And I remember rewatching this. I've seen this like a hundred times before. Maybe not a hundred. That's maybe an exaggeration. I've seen this a bunch of times before where it has a very impressive jazz feel to it. It still emulates being a child. Mm-hmm. I also love just like the slightly spookier like jazz songs, yes. like the graveyard. The, so we get a little bit like, you know, it's, it's so playful, mm-hmm. but you just get like just a little tiny hints of like spookiness in there and that's so cute and so fun to me i have a three-year-old niece now and so everything i'm like it has to be spooky not scary and i think this is (laughs) like you know it's like it has to like keep that fun attitude and i think that's what this does like it's never like you know oh horror music you know it's it's still very pleasant Mm -hmm. very palatable mass market nobody's gonna get offended by anything here i think it gives a great introduction to what spooky is going to sound like for kids where they can hear that and go oh my gosh something's gonna happen i know something's gonna happen but it's not scary yeah there's these threads of like melancholy through through the music not just in this score but just the peanuts music overall and you know the kids kind of shuffle around a little bit and it just takes me back to watching this as a kid and feeling those very same feelings huh. at the same time. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. Did any of you find the story about how this was missing for like 54 years? Mm. I don't know the full story. I know it was just recently re-released yeah. though. I knew that it hadn't been released in a long time, but I, was, I wasn't I was sure like, and I don't even know, maybe they just haven't even said why. I don't know. The, the Schultz estate and stuff is, I know is really picky 
<laughs> on who yeah. gets what and how you can license it. Like they're pretty strict on that. So I kind of was just figured, you know, same thing. Why it's only on Apple, right? Like why is this not everywhere, right? Yeah, me. I didn't know it was lost. <laughs> from what I tried to put together from reading, Lee Mendelson, who is the executive producer of all these Peanut specials, I don't even think it was under lock and key. He just kept all the original tapes and all the original edits and stuff like that right. in his place. Hmm. I don't want to say guarded them, but. There was so much of it to sift through. He passed away and his family, COVID happened, mm. and his family was like, you know what? We can't do shit anyway. Let's just sift through all this and see what we find. And they found the original, all the original tapes Crazy. of the hmm. Great Pumpkin hmm. stuff. And now we have 30 track record of all of it. Right. It's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's super cool. I don't have that much left on this, except for I really want to talk about how big of a bitch Lucy is <laughs> just the pumpkin picking thing the football and Charlie Brown the strangling her brother for riding Charlie Brown turning Charlie Brown's head into a model but then at the very end of the show she like picks up Linus freezing in the patch mm -hmm. and then puts him to bed yeah and he is kind of a fucking idiot. So hey, do we? Hey, what? he's, he's a, a kid. kid. If you had an kid. oppressive sister, Don't. you would make shit up too in your head. Like there's a, a Santa Claus for, just for to be happy. Halloween too. Bring it's me some Santa happiness in life, great pumpkin, please. It's good story writing, right? Like you have it to is. have a baddie. Yeah. You have to have a villain, and like it can't be an adult because then that's like, well, that's creepy. So it's like you gotta <laughs> sure. have a kid that's just like a little dark to mm -hmm. keep the story from feeling just too disgustingly sweet <laughs> i feel like there is not another cartoon character that i hate as much Ooh, as her wow. everybody has like a villain origin story but lucy doesn't what about rugrats isn't there like, like oh, the sister the older Rugr sister angelica you need that archetype i mean it's it's nelly from little house in the park oh, yeah. oh shit yeah, yeah. yeah right you know man nelly olsen that's a good one she's <laughs> She's the worst. <laughs> I pulled something out of, I think it's the graveyard theme. I'm, I'm out walking my dog. It's kind of dusk. People are starting to put up their Halloween decorations. So I'm getting into the like, kind of the mood of the season and stuff. And I hear Portishead in this <laughs> Really? Absolutely. 100%. I hear I, like Portishead clearly were influenced by this album. That's interesting. Like Sour Times is straight out of graveyard theme from... We're going to have to try to get them on and ask them about their great pumpkin influence. <laughs> no, because I don't want them to burst my bubble. Oh. I, I want <laughs> this like, to be... Like, what are you talking what? about? We've never seen that. <laughs> <They're like, "What laughs> uh, that's our first one. Hey, it's simple yes. stuff. It's a good fucking jazz album. I love it. And that's all that matters. Uh, let's go... <laughs> to our next score slash sound. This is much more of a score slash soundtrack on this one. Rachel Polio, take it away. Hi, next we're gonna talk about the guest. Haunted by by Adam Wingard. Say joint. Directed by Adam Wingard, written by Steve Simon Barrett. Steve Moore did the film score. He also did Gutterballs, Star Vehicle, a bunch of films that nobody has heard of, minus Rachel, maybe. <laughs> I've seen all these. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like, yes, I figured. I'm, I'm... Once I saw the poster for Gutterballs, I was like, mm, that seems like something Rachel would like. <laughs> There's a very 80s synthwave vibe going on with the music here. And the point was to emulate the 80s and not copy paste the 80s. So there was a bunch of music by musicians I've never heard of before that I'm going to butcher. Plan of Zymox. I think you're right. Is yeah. that good? Nailed it. I got a yeah. thumbs up from mm -hmm. Rachel. That means it's and survive. You've I mean, heard? come on. I was going to say, wait, you've heard that. <laughs> yeah. You've seen it? Yeah. <laughs> Who else? That's pretty much what I... Okay, we'll get there. That's there. It's yeah. like one of my favorite bands is on this soundtrack. Is it the Deutschland American No, but that's a cool <laughs> fucking song. I like that. <laughs> Rachel Reeves, our resident horror film head. Is this a horror film? And are you a The Guest fan? Oh my God. Love The Guest. Yeah? Yay. I, I, yeah. This is a movie, you know, I saw it around kind of when it came out. And yeah, it's just... And for me, it hits like a sweet spot that I really love. Number one, banging soundtrack, banging score. Yeah. 
I mean, Dan Stevens, hello. And then also just it's that like action combo of action and thriller and horror. Like that's always going to be. Yeah. I'm going to be in for that. I'm mirroring the room and it also. That's what I was going to say. Did you do that on purpose? That's what it is. No, but I. Oh. (laughs) It's just, yeah, there's so much about this that I like. And of course, it takes place October-ish and there's a Halloween dance. But yeah, if, if you take all of that out, if you take the seasonal stuff out of that, I'm not actually sure if Mm. it is a horror movie. I feel like it's more action thriller. Mm -hmm. But I think once it's like, oh, there's pumpkins everywhere. There's a Halloween dance and a haunted house. Like that's where it kind of it's like, oh, well, it's a horror film. Genre is a spectrum. Like it's you know, it's, it's checking lots of different boxes, and you know, action thriller. Okay, this is one of my many questions about this fucking film. Sure, the ending with the high school haunted house, mm-hmm. right. the mirrors room. What the fuck? I didn't understand what was happening there. How did the high school turn into a haunted house, house of mirrors? They were creating it for the Halloween dance. Yeah. She says that. She's like, they do this every year. Yeah. You have to enter in through the haunted house to, before you get they to the dance. They create a the massive dance. hall of mirrors yes. in their high Apparently. school. That's not fucking insane to any of you. I'm just... Dis- I mean, Suspension hey. of disbelief, David. I loved it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> we had talked in uh, one of our previous episodes about how the man with no name feel yeah nowadays is kind of maybe not a great thing sure your clint eastwoods right and your is this maybe why i was rooting for the villain in this film through the whole fucking thing <laughs> rachel reeves is a big charles bronson fan I am. <laughs> so <laughs> just made my day so, other rachel this kind of had that feel a little bit right a hundred percent Oh, yeah. I'm rooting for yeah. the bad guy the whole time. Right. He also feels like like a dark Rambo, right? Or like, yes. like Terminator influence. Yes. Or I mean, there's so, there's so many things. And I think all of that is very intentional. Deeply traumatized medically and mentally. Right? <laughs> oh, he killed the mom. Ah, he had to. He was programmed. Mm-hmm. He had He's to. Programmed. You know, up until that point, yeah. though, I feel like it's very much like you, the TV or, you know, Netflix series where... You're rooting for the bad guy because he's only trying to do what's best. Well, like, yeah, he's I mean, just trying to help out other people. Well, for right. the family. Well, he he murdered a guy because he got regional manager instead of the dad. I don't know if that's helping other right. people. Yeah. He just okay, wants the best Okay, what about the, the other for... guy's family? Fuck that guy. Well, <laughs> he killed his wife, too. It was a murder Oh, suicide. God, that's she right. She was collateral, yeah. Yeah. collateral damage. <laughs> I, she might have been a Lucy. Maybe. <laughs> he yeah, might have been. Yeah, yeah. The, Come on. What I love Hell about- broke loose. Come on. I oh oh that had multiple levels of a joke on that yep. one. <laughs> what I love about this score is how much you don't expect a score like this for a movie like this. How so? The badass John Wick type man with no name, and you've got this '80s synthwave thing going on. When they go to the the party and all the kids are smoking dope and stuff, you expect some stupid country or some stupid alt-rock music going on, but it's this hardcore new age synth wave going on. It completely changes the entire feel of the movie for me. Mm -hmm. I think it helps with the continuity of the film too, because you keep the same vibe through the film. I think if you threw in modern music or shitty music that you would expect at that kind of party, it it would take you out of... That's what I was going with. (laughs) This movie feels like a love letter to a lot of things that Adam Wingard likes. Like, There's so many little nods to certain things in this movie. Like there's... The pumpkin, the witch, and the skeleton from Halloween three in the back of like a shot with and oh, the, I didn't even notice in that the dan- in the dance hall. You know, this there's why nods you're in to charge. Carrie. Mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> the, you know, I think that there's lots of nods to like other action films and like even when he's running at the very beginning, like to me, it's like, oh, is that from like Superman? Like because he's a Superman. There's That's like all these take. little things that I think are nods, and so to me, when I think of like, okay, well, if it's like a sci-fi thriller, right? 
A lot of times they use electronic music in various capacities because it's it disconnects this character from humanity. They're not going to have strings and woodwinds mm. to like Charlie Brown. <laughs> like these are humans. That would be, I you know, could use a little bit of the great pumpkin <laughs> yeah. waltz while he's like running down the street. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it kind of helps sell right from the beginning that there's something off with this guy. There's literally nothing that he does that would make us suspect him of anything other than the music mm. at first. And the fact that he rarely blinks on screen. Yes. <laughs> oh, good point. Which yes. I don't good point. Interesting. Especially through the first half of this movie, there's not a lot of music. Mm-hmm. You have that big synthy bang at the very, very beginning, and then it's pretty silent. There's a few cues after he has the conversation with the mom, and then he's sitting there by himself, and then they pan in on him. Yeah. And then you start to hear kind of the dirty synth, and it's like, oh. Something's up with this dude. Right? There's not a lot of music through the first part of this until they get to the party. And then it's just fucking like, it's go time. here's a song, here's a song, yeah. here's a song, bam, bam, bam. And it just right. kind of takes you on this massive fast forward roller coaster for the rest of it. And another thing that kind of separates it from some of the contemporary stuff that was being done with synth wave at the time, Stranger Things and like it follows the stuff is it's, this is very specifically like goth synth wave. Yeah. It gives it that 80s feel a little bit more. It's like that throwback to... Well, some of these bands are. Like yeah. Sisters of Mercy, Clan of Zymox, Love and exactly. Rockets. Like these yep. are all like older uh, bands. Yeah. Let's mixed. let's stop and pay a much bigger tribute to Love and Rockets, uh-huh. please. Because they're one of the coolest fucking bands <laughs> that has ever existed. Shout out Love and Rockets. Okay. Anyway, we can continue. <laughs> I The fact that they have Love and Rockets on this is I was sold. The first thing I did was looked at the soundtrack listing. Love and Rockets. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's diegetic at times, which is super fun. And I love that when it kind of like breaks that that wall. Because like when they're listening to it on the radio and he's like asking her to make a tape. And like sometimes we see her like pushing oh, play. And so it's yeah, like, I had to look up diegetic, but <laughs> right. you're absolutely right. <laughs> no, yeah. Like she goes in to start the phones and she has to push play on her. Yeah. Yeah. Or like at the when they're at the dance, he puts the CD in the DJ booth. So it's. It's Which is hilarious, by the way. Yeah, it, I know. And it then just, the lights come up. It's like, wow, this guy has so much dramatic effect in his <laughs> delivery. So it's also, it makes sense because this is apparently what, like, what she likes to listen to. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's getting us to know her. It's also very fitting for this character. But then again, it's also like very attached to her. And there's it becomes more diegetic as she gets introduced and kind of entwined with her character as well. So it's, it, it's all very fitting and... I like how they make a little bit of a justification for that, being like, oh, no, she likes this music. So it makes sense in this world. (laughs) That was one thing that I read that was talking about how initially the plan was to make the soundtrack music Mm -hmm. that she would like. So it kind of feels like she was in charge of that. And then having her be musical, like burn you tape or whatever, her character turned out to be a little bit bubblier than the music was. And so it kind of took a turn, but initially that was the bubblier because she was blonde and a little happier, I think, than the music. Oh, I thought it fit her. She was pretty. She kind of had a a real big teenage brooding thing going on. I know she was 20. She's well, you can act like a teenager and be 20. How old was he supposed to be? Do we know? Uh, I would say he's in his 20s because he did a tour or two. And then came back. So probably early 20s. It took me a while to figure out if the whole like him and her thing was creepy or not. No, I don't think it's creepy. Yeah, of course you don't. 25 year old hot dude coming out of the shower. What's wrong with that? Um, Oh, hold on. The the scene where he's carrying the kegs in. He's like, oh, God, I was was sold. I was sold at that point. I'm like, I fucking love this movie. And the music stops and he's like, where you want these? (laughs) It's amazing. I was into the beginning. I think they sell it really, really well. The kind of mystery of who is this guy and stuff. The party scene with like the four different songs that they Mm. choose. First part where they're smoking the pot and it's kind of this intimate. She's realizing that maybe he's kind of a cool dude. And then there's the he bashes the fucking ex-boyfriend's head in and the girl is just putty in his hands there's that scene and then it just keeps evolving with each different song i don't think this movie would have been very good if it wasn't for the organization of adam wingard Mm -hmm. he did the composition right or no no steve 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 moore Moore. and adam wingard putting this together 
Yeah, and Steve Moore, I mean, he plays with like a synth band called Zombie and has done a lot of very similar stuff and has also produced and been on a ton of other people's albums. So I'm sure like he knew a lot of these other like modern artists and were like, hey, yeah, let's get you on this thing. And just I think this was easy for him to kind of put this together because this is very much in the same vein of the music that he does. Mm -hmm pretty normally so i can see him having a lot of say over this i guess the first season we did this we talked about it follows Mm -hmm. pretty similar not similar score but it it was very very dark much more of a soundscape sort of synth yeah but disaster piece like he got his start like doing video games and you know like he was very much in that sphere and so, like, going into film scores and doing something that, like, dark and heavily electronic, I think, was not, like, a, a big step or a big leap for him to take. So it makes sense. Yeah, Stranger Things came out 2016. So this was, like... Oh, I f- you would know this, Rachel Reeves. All of this soundtrack work and all the success with figuring out the synth stuff, it all came from Drive, which was, like, four years earlier. Yeah, yeah. Was it just, like... Hundreds of movies doing the synth synthwave oh, thing yeah. post two thousand. Oh, totally. There's yeah. like two branches. You get like synthwave, and you get like Electric Youth and College, and kind of like this, <laughs> like more like dreamy, like. And then on the other hand of it, you get like this dark wave, this the goth electro stuff, which I'm a bigger fan of. You know, oh, I you love get, like, that stuff. Yeah, Perturbator and Carpenter Brute, and like mm, so I you love you get Brute. kind of this like. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like learn new every day. You kind I of, have nuance. Eh. <laughs> I don't know it's like that. all the kids who really were into, you know, Depeche Mode and Joy Division mm-hmm. and Sisters of Mercy and like going like, so this is more like tapping into that. And I think that that stuff got way more popular after Drive. And like Kavinsky, I think, is a big Bridges the Gap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some of his stuff can fit into the Electric Youth vibe, but then some of it goes kind of, you know, outrun video game kind of vibe, right? And so this is, I think, Kavinsky. video game. My chance to jump in with a genius take. Okay, let's hear Uh, it. (laughs) Joel David Moore, the the dude who gets him the gun. Yeah. He was JP and Grandma's Boy, which is one of my fucking favorite movies. If you've ever watched Grandma Boy, Grandma's Boy, I'm tipsy. That's, Holy shit. It has. Uh, <laughs> what happens when you drink rum and coke? It's like the connection with like electronic music from even earlier. Because Grandma's Boy was what, like 2006 yeah. maybe? Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time in this movie to figure out if the score even worked. About halfway through it hit me and I, I do. I think this is a spectacular soundtrack score. Hilarious movie. I love it. Can you? I love it. It's so stupid. It's so cheesy. And I fucking love it. Which of you two listen to all Rachel's are equal. Fine. Whatever. Um, who listened to the guest two soundtrack? Oh, I own that. Well, she just said she I owns own it, it. So because I really like the guest there is two a guest two. Yeah. For a, a hypothetical fictional guest two movie that has been talked about a lot and but never come out and I don't think ever will and so the they... movie never came out but they no. have a soundtrack yeah <laughs> that's yeah, they... the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard April Fools or something or like there was like a reason and they dropped it and everybody thought it was like the movie announcement was fake but the soundtrack was real and you could like go buy the soundtrack and I love that <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious in the movie when he ordered the fireball to Tabasco oh, so which, yeah by the way oh to be back in 2014 when fireball only meant you know cinnamon schnapps <laughs> and Tabasco because <laughs> I'd much prefer that we should do that at the finale <laughs> we can get away from other <laughs> fireball that evil hates good. But I but, loved that he ordered it like it was this badass drink. It's like it's fucking. But you know that's going. It was a payoff. You know it's going in yeah. someone's face. He knew what he was yes. going to do, and so he got it specifically so that he could do that. <laughs> that's true. Point number five or whatever. Uh, free Cosmopolitan. Thank you, sir. Why would you beat him up? They're high you just schoolers. Gave, They're you just they, gave all my girls a shot. Insecure and I got in their masculinity. Thank you. <laughs> So much. I I love Lance Reddick. R.I.P. Lance Reddick. 
know. Uh, and what? <laughs> oh, I, he, I didn't yeah. know he died. Did yeah. he die yeah. recently? Like last mm-hmm. year or something? Yeah, he yeah. he was Commander Zavala in Destiny. I stopped playing, but whatever. Anyway, um, nerd. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I was already sold at that point, but when I'm like, oh, that's Lance Reddick, I was like fully invested. So you really, really, really loved this movie. I loved it. It's so cheesy <laughs> and so stupid. It's right up my alley. So there was an alternate ending that apparently did not play well, that had more exposition. Because mm. part of me loved how much they gave us, because it gave you a little to think about, I think. But part of me wanted more explanation of what kind of military experiments were running on this guy and was the brother involved in those experiments. And then they just told the family that he was killed in Afghanistan. And how many other people are there? I like less. I, I, I like the I ambiguity. Yeah, same. Okay, fine. I mean, that's what we get, so yeah, I lose. <laughs> um, last thing I want to say is that this had one of the greatest <laughs> lines in a movie I've ever heard, which is a guy is running through a haunted house and he says, military police, I'm here for Luke Peterson. How do I get through this maze? And then some fucking dude just starts screaming out, left, right, right, left. That's the, that's the, it's like the Konami left, right, up, down, ABB, start, yeah. select. That's fantastic. That is the guest. I love uh, that. That was a fun, that was a blast. We've got one yeah. more to go. We're going to take a break and then we'll hit the big one. We are back. Time to talk about the big one. Season three, we've talked Psycho. We've talked Halloween. And now we're going to talk 1975 Jaws, directed by Steven Spielberg. 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 Yeah. Composed by John Williams. I can't even. John Williams. Um. This movie's budget was $9 million and it made $476.5 million in the box office. The movie is done okay. Whatever. It's done okay. Yeah. There are millions of very cool facts about this movie. I mean, fucking millions. We can talk about... What was the name of the the shark? Bruce. Bruce. And the clusterfuck that was him. And how... It broke all of everything, all day, all the time. The shark's name was Bruce. The shark's name in Finding Nemo was Bruce. Was it the same shark? Well, I don't know. It gets blown up. I mean, Bruce was a machine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's a prequel to this. (laughs) Evil, come back. (laughs) John Williams shows Steven Spielberg on a piano. Hey, here's your score. And Spielberg laughs. And John Williams is like, no, 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 no. Seriously, Uh, listen to this. Trust me. The lore is that it Spielberg didn't see it, but I think it was, it seems to me listening to both of them being interviewed that it took about 30 seconds for Spielberg to be like, yeah, this kind of fucking works. Yeah. I'm going to go to Rachel Polio first. Had you not watched this because you thought it was a typical horror film? Why hadn't you watched this? Uh, I guess I hate water and I'm terrified of it. Oh. Especially the ocean. And so you I did think it backwards. Maybe that played into it, at least as a child. You're supposed to be terrified of the ocean because you watch Jaws. When I was little, my grandmother said, if you ever go too far in the ocean, you're going to die and you'll drown. So don't go past your waist. She wasn't necessarily so, wrong. She wasn't necessarily wrong. So that made me terrified of the water <laughs> to this day. So Jaws, I think, maybe wasn't for me back in the day. And... Recently, I guess I am more rational about water, but still, it just didn't sound like... I don't know. I just never got to it, I think. Rachel Reeves, if I were to tell you that you had to give me a list of the top five scores of all time, do you think that this would be one of them? Well, out of all genres, that's... I mean, it is for sure one of the greatest scores of all time. Top five, though. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. But you'd have to think about it, right? Yeah, it's it's a contender. It yeah. would be up for consideration. It would be on the short list, you know. <laughs> so what do you think it is, our score profesh, about this score 
that makes it that. Okay, well, let's put it this way. So I knew the score before I'd ever seen the movie. Mm. Right. Like my dad used to like wake me up when I was little. And if I wouldn't, because I'm not a morning person. And so I wouldn't get out of bed. <laughs> so he'd come in and be like, da, 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 da. And then he would like, you know, like tickle me if I didn't wake oh up. And so like growing up, like the Jaws theme song, I'd be like, no, no, don't tickle me. You just gave evil like PTSD <laughs> over something. <laughs> what? Yeah, like did. that's I think that that's like a pretty wild thing that it's so ingrained in the culture in our like pop culture mm-hmm. consciousness that you know the music. Jaws is basically like an onomatopoeia. Yeah, it's simple, it's catchy, it's effective and it just <laughs> is like such an efficient, evil. perfect use of score in a movie. And we can get into all of that more in a second, but I think that that is part it's just why it is it's just it's just so simple it's crazy it maybe not is the best score of all time but influential I, it is influential it's the best applied to the movie yeah. i haven't heard like anything anybody said music. because like, i'm trying to figure out what's happening to evil i i just had a realization <laughs> i was born in 1976 a year after this film came out my brother and his friends when i was very young three four years old made up a story about this character named Fasha. Okay. <laughs> Fasha was a lumberjack who had like lost all of his limbs from lumberjack accidents. These fucking psychopathic grade school junior high kids who was telling me the story at three, four years old, they would be like, Fasha, Fasha. Fisha, Fisha. Storytelling. <laughs> but this thing running after you with fingernails that are going to chop you up. And I just realized that dun, 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 is fucking Fisha, Fisha. <laughs> oh my God. Onomatopoeia, I'm telling you. Two or three other soundtracks that describe something happening or going on or about to happen. Yeah. The dun, dun, that something is about to happen, whether it's a joke. Or whether it's it's something's about to happen. You know, it's so funny because it's such and, and John Williams talks about this. Like, it's the just a perfect embodiment of the shark itself and just that primal, focused, singular mission. Oh, you I know, like, like mm. there's nothing else. Like, it's just like blinders on, right? Like, and so like it doesn't need to be anything else. And by just like manipulating the tempo and that kind of stuff, it it's gonna instill that that tension in you watching it. But it's kind of saved this movie because of all the issues that they yeah. were having with the shark <laughs> they couldn't actually yeah the shark, the shark the, this movie so is the edited music, to fuck like, like the there when you hear them talk about yeah. how hard they had to edit this because of how messed up the shark was it's crazy this takes place of the shark and that's what i think is so influential about it is because you're we're associating that rhythm and the those two notes those with yeah. bruce we don't even have to see a shark but we feel it. We're looking around and like we feel like it's coming. And that's something right. that you're going to see. Like we've already talked about this like, mm-hmm. in Halloween and in Friday the 13th. Like you don't ever see Jason. Spoilers <laughs> for the first Friday the 13th. But like that. You know, mm, 50 years is like, that spoilers are allowed at this point. Hey, I don't know. You know, Rachel's never seen Jaws. There's people out there that haven't seen Friday the 13th. I don't want to, I don't want to take, I don't want to take that away from them. It's going to have such a ripple effect in the horror genre because it's a, it's a way to tell without showing. Yeah. (laughs) And for films on a budget, that's pretty cool. Like, oh, you mean we don't actually have to like go through all that work? We can just like pretend like show up an underwater Sweet. thing of seaweed and put this music behind it and suddenly it's yeah. scary and sometimes what you don't see is actually more scary right yes. like how many yeah. movies like horror movies have you seen you're like okay the second you see the monster it's like, suddenly yeah. like eh, mm-hmm. i'm disappointed like it's by having the music do that for us mm-hmm. like it's just incredibly powerful and just is going to have a massive effect on all the horror music that's going to come after it especially in the 80s once like slashers really take off you're going to see this replicated in different ways and yeah dozens and dozens and dozens of movies so rachel did you like jaws yeah i guess uh <laughs> i don't know i don't know i how dare you the what? music is so good. You just have this 
image of what something should be in your head for your entire life. And then I feel like this movie was very built up for me. It was fine. How dare you? Also, Richard Dreyfuss is fabulous, and I love him. And he was a great... I didn't know Richard Dreyfuss was in this film, which is fun. Richard Dreyfuss overacts the fucking shit out of this movie. Love it. Evil, I'll ask this to you. It might be more of a Rachel Reeves question, but I believe in you. Um, <laughs> you can do is it. This a, is this a horror film? Ooh. Um, I, I don't think so. I think the subsequent films are horror films. I think this is the original blockbuster movie. Like a summer movie? Rachel is so mad right now. Leave meeting. Click. Yeah, no, she's, she's hating me right now. I think this is more of like an adventure movie. It's like a yeah. pirate movie. Okay. And, and part of it, part of what makes that is the score. Yeah. The score is not a horror movie score. The, the theme that we're talking about, the two note theme is a horror movie moment. Mm-hmm. But as a movie, it is not a horror movie. It's an th- action thriller movie. Rachel Reeves, why are you so offended? No, you're not wrong. Nobody's wrong. <laughs> These things, like I said, are all subjective. It's just... I can be wrong. You can... Uh, God, I, yeah. It's like doing a podcast <laughs> with Sven. My God. <laughs> Everybody's right. Everybody <laughs> love each other. A five-star, <laughs> classic, iconic, blockbuster film and a horror movie can exist in the same sphere like it can be done oh i get it so like oh it's really good and amazing so it must not be a horror film you know like i think that that's part of it sometimes but it's like how many nightmares has this movie given kids how many exactly oh my god how many kids were like terrified of sharks because of this movie Mm -hmm. and a lot of the issues that they're talking about even if you're looking at like the characters like you know, oh, elevated horror. <laughs> That's like kind of like what they were doing here and like the trauma that they were going through, you know, like they're wanting to keep the beach open. They can't yeah. afford not to. Like these are all like really big discussions and conversations that are being had. Yeah, and the like, amount of people that- in the generation before us that have told me like, they wouldn't even swim in fucking swimming pools for 10 years after yeah, seeing exactly. this movie. Mm. Like, like when I was a little kid, I had seen Jaws 3. I hadn't even seen this movie. Mm-hmm. My aunt and uncle had an above ground swimming pool and I was afraid to go into it because I thought there might be some <laughs> channel that from in that makes sense. Idaho <laughs> yeah. that a yeah. channel from the ocean right. might have been dug. Oh yeah, coked out. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even seen this one yet. Anyway. Uh, John Williams is a fucking genius. There are other parts to this score that are very not... The, the choices that they made together were so odd. Mm. I, I don't want to say odd, just things that I would have never thought of. Mm. When they have everybody coming over the island... And instead of making it some big, threatening, negative, darkening thing, it's this like Barokian kind of happy tune. (laughs) The other time that that really stood out to me is when they're chasing the shark and they're shooting the barrels. Mm -hmm. It's not some big suspenseful, it's like Mm -hmm. a Peter Pan fucking adventure. adventure. Yeah. 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 There's like only one jump scare. No, there's like three. I know because I watched with my daughter and she was like, this isn't scary. And she got the shit scared out of her like scary. three Horror times. Movie. The only jump scare for me there's three. Is, <laughs> is when Dreyfus is underwater, the dead face comes into the hole in the, in the, the hull of the boat. That's the only jump scare for you me. You don't think when Brady's chum in the water and, and Jaws pops out? That's a out? reveal. That's or not at, a jump or scare. Or at the end Girl, when you the crazy. shark Girl. shows that there's no music because they're misdirecting you because they've trained you the yeah. whole movie to expect it when you hear the music. Right. And then when it shows up without the music, it catches you off guard. Or when they trick you and the little fucking kids have the thing on and they're playing See? the music and yeah. they're like, that's yeah, fucking that Jaws. That's yeah. not that one's not a jump no, scare. One's, but it's but it's fun when you No, find that's that not one. a jump yeah. scare. That's just brilliant. Yeah. That is one thing I wish this score like of course the theme is iconic. The theme is what everybody thinks about when they think of this score, but there yes. are some like super beautiful, like amazing other very parts of this score which I think Yes. It's like that's also yeah. what makes it so good. It's not just one good theme. Right. There's so much of it that this that's so pretty. Like even the beginning and just the way that they're using like the harps and it's just it's very tranquil yeah. and ele- like capturing the feeling the of the harp water. Is great. It's so pretty mm-hmm. and like that also is like a very I feel like a classic kind of like Bernard Herrmann or classic kind of film like underwater 20,000 leagues under the sea kind of yeah. vibe. And, 
Yeah. And the track Night Search is always one of my favorites because it's just really beautiful, and, but like mysterious. You still have like that element of unease, but it's also just the ocean itself. It's not necessarily like the shark. It's just their situation. And it's just very contemplative. And I really like that a lot. But I think it's important, like you mentioned them coming over and how it's just feels very like kind of joyful and like Americana and like yeah, this is a yeah, fun yeah, place. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think that's part of what makes the horror elements work because it is such a picturesque vacation, families, but then a kid gets eaten by a shark. Like that's dark. And yeah. so it's kind of like the juxtaposition of these things where it's like this isn't supposed to happen here. The tension of those two things, I think, is intentional and part of what makes the film work so well. The whole child dying thing. Like, the very first person to die is a girl, and she's slutty, and she dies. And, of course, she you expect it. that. In, yeah. in every horror film, anyone that's going to have sex or has had sex, they How they die. How dare all of you. <laughs> Sarcasm. But, but then to have a child die makes it into a horror film because it makes you terrified. No one's off limits. The dog is more than the kid. The, once, the dog was once rough you kill the me. dog and that's also when everything's off limits <laughs> yeah and then the you shark are sick. the shark is in the pond in the off limits yeah, space shark, that right. was like go in there. crossing the threshold yeah. oh but it does then fucking kill someone and just fucking leave yeah. like haha i can come in here and kill people haha and then i can leave and then instead of having this th- another time when i was watching i was like this is fucking brilliant because john williams instead of doing this the dun or the threatening thing brody looks out to the ocean he look they show this scene where he pans out and he looks out to where the ocean is past the pond the way that john williams scores that nothing is said you just know that that's brody thinking i'm water is my fear mm-hmm. but i'm going out there i'm going out there into the ocean to there's yep. so much of that in this movie the music is telling you how to think yeah god damn it's really 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 brilliant and i didn't i didn't appreciate it until i studied for this just how many parts are like that the partnership between those two because the, i mean John Williams had been winning awards before this. Well, this was his big break. Like he was like, yeah, like he was doing fine. He had already won an Oscar. It was for Fid- yep. Fiddler on the Roof, but this was his right. second Oscar. But because the film was such a blockbuster, right. it just like obviously catapulted him to like a new level. So I think he's pretty openly been like, oh, this was my big break. And Spielberg had done films prior to this, but this was like the convergence of John Williams and Spielberg and everything just sort of came together in this film. And then, of course, you have Star Wars for Williams after this. You have Close Encounter of the Third Kind with both of them and everything just blew up after that. But this was... I didn't realize that this was maybe the first blockbuster movie that ever existed. Sure. I think it's credited as that in terms of like yeah. the effect it had. Also, he was 42 years old when he did this. Right. I think Damn. that that's right. like pretty cool. Ugh. And he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good for him. Still kicking. Yeah. Also, Spielberg was 29 when well, he directed See, that make, that's frustrating. And it was his third <laughs> film. Like out of film. See, school. I like him being 42 better. Gives me hope. <laughs> <laughs> did any of you guys notice what I did, which I loved in the best part of this movie, the monologue with the black eyes, the doll's eyes, Ooh, uh, that it's, yes. it's silent until mm-hmm. he starts talking about the sharks, until he starts talking about how they form themselves into the mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. And then the sharks mm-hmm. are coming and here comes the music. That's my favorite part of the film. It has to be. Because it's at night. It's like dusk. Yeah. yeah. Dusk-ish, if yeah. you would say. I don't know. I've also always been obsessed with the USS Indianapolis. They've never made a good movie out of it, by the way. No. They made one with Nick Cage. It was fucking Oof. terrible. Yeah. I mean, God bless you, Nick Cage. I love you and everything, but man. So what do you give Jaws then? Like a C? Get it? <laughs> Are you just mad because the shark cage fugue wasn't technically a fugue is that why you're mad <laughs> who are you talking to the one who doesn't like jaws oh i can't see who you're looking at rachel looked confused oh, yeah, i looked point. confused i do love the score it is just a prime example of why john williams is just so amazing he just has such a way with melody and mm. weaving those melodies and working them in because i love how it does progress throughout the film and you kind of see these themes for the orca and the themes for these men kind of start to interplay more and more with the shark theme like as it goes on i love that it even is included 
at points with the shark, which this is probably just me projecting because I'm just such an animal dude, that there's this feel of like, this isn't an evil thing. This is just something protecting its territory. This is a... Sure. This isn't fucking Jason. This is just a, a fucking mammal. I It's not a mammal. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I do like like how it evolves. Like there's just such a finesse and an elegance to this. And that's something that is just really exciting to see from somebody who we know. I mean, we know now, obviously, like where that's going to go. But just kind of tracing it all back to here and be like, OK, so this is the first of like the 30 films or whatever, or 29 mm-hmm. right. that mm-hmm. they've done together. Like this is the genesis of that. And it's still just as iconic and amazing as, you know, Indiana Jones and like all these things that we're going to get that are just also equally incredible. It's just boggling to think that this man can just continue to pump out these things. I have a love hate relationship with Star Wars, but yes. (laughs) Oh, you don't have a not with the original one. No, no. I'm 100% Star Wars OT original trilogy, (laughs) original Testament. I'm a Star Wars Jew. I love all three of them. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. pretty... Hot take, Evil. <laughs> I also... Also understand John Williams' inspiration. Yeah. And if you don't know who Gustav who Holtz is... Rachel has that her How Dare You him. face on. <laughs> Rachel Reeves. I'm familiar, yes. <laughs> Jaws, the guest. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. We only have one thing left to do. You know what it is. We do it every year. Uh, Evil has more, so just kidding. What do, what do you have? I don't think we did an actual horror film this episode. Lies. I feel like, I know she's going to lie. We like bobbed and weaved and dodged some bullets. And these are all kind of like on the periphery. So we have a, so yeah, I, we have like an action I challenge movie. Us. We have an adventure movie, quest movie. And then we yeah, have thriller suspense, animated holiday classic, <laughs> animated holiday classic. Yes. So I think like next year we should really dial in on at least one horror movie. We're not doing is there demons, demons again, too? evil. There's demons <laughs> too. So oh, there good. is, and it's amazing. Yeah. Murder, fuck, no. Murder, fuck, kill. That's uh, that's heinous. Mary, fuck, kill. <laughs> Rachel Polio. Mary fuck kill Jaws the guest. It's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. Mary Charlie Brown, of course. Wah 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Fuck the guest. Kill Jaws. Whoa. That's the answer. That's the Damn. right answer. I think that's just the answer. Is it the right answer? Does anyone disagree, David? I mean, I very much disagree. Oh, sorry, uh, Rachel disagrees. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kill Jaws. You have to. Uh evil, what about I'm the same because it's Charlie Brown, you marry that. Okay. Thank you. You, you fuck the guest because that's sexy and you kill <laughs> Jaws because Jaws is gonna come back and you have to keep killing it over and over and over again. Right. Wait, I, I, like, <laughs> yeah, what are I we like? I think the concept is what you want it to be, but or the movies, or there's no, there are no points. The here. Protagonists, <laughs> Rachel, will you do us right by this? Uh, okay, Mary Foot Kill. If I'm looking at the film or the scores, because my answer would still be the same <laughs> of like which one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be Mary Jaws, influential, iconic, <sighs> kickstarts an entire amazing career for both of these first blockbuster film 476 million you guys set for life that one has to stay and you're gonna learn so much and you're gonna return to this text time and time again and continue to get things of value out of it so i gotta marry that (laughs) and then of course fuck the guest Mm -hmm. of course course. and then i'm killing charlie brown it's only 25 minutes like that you're not in that for the long haul like i'm sorry and then if i don't like that killer It's a, yeah, but I can listen to the Christmas Rachel one. Rachel Reeves, Child Killer. <laughs> that's, you know, that we're is, introduce that her next year. <laughs> it's not different enough from the, the Christmas one that it's like, I'll just go listen to that. I don't need this one. I don't need both. I can't believe you do that. I'm marrying Great Pumpkin. I'm fucking Jaws and I'm killing the guest. Wow. Look, the guest is amazing, but it's not. I could forget about the guest tomorrow and be fine. I hope you all die by shark attack. <laughs> that's the thing. That's sexy. I mean, if you got to go. Everybody. Yeah. Nobody exactly. <laughs> Halloween, everybody. Spooky season. Happy Halloween. Rachel Polio. David, listen. Thanks for joining us. Are you going to go unpack? Probably, yeah. It's time to do some laundry. I am that person that does it immediately. Evil. I'm glad that you have a new album to get you through Thanksgiving. Thank you. 
Thank all of you for that. <laughs> Rachel Reeves, once again, she's our favorite. Uh, we we talk every year when we get done with this, we talk about how amazing she is. True. And she's True amazing story. because of all the fucking shit she's on. Like Dread Central, Daily Grindhouse, Valingo, Losers Club, Halloweenies, The Pod and the Pendulum, The Girls on the Boys. I mean, Rachel... Calm down. I know. Jesus. It's a problem. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us yes. for the third time. Thanks for slumming it with us. Thank you. No, thank you yeah. for having me. <laughs> Join us next week. We've got our last quick fire <gasps> of the <Yes>. year. <gasps> Ten albums, six minutes each. Rachel Reeves, do you have a do you have an album of the year so far? Oh no. Ooh. I can't no. I can't think about that yet. Because the Stones <laughs> okay. album isn't out yet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, Rachel, uh, we love it that yeah, you do this with us every year. I appreciate it. I don't know about those other two, but I do. <laughs> Anytime. He's a feisty one tonight. You've drank too Root much. Root beer and whiskey is good. I don't like you on root beer and whiskey. It's so good. I love it. It's my favorite <laughs> thing. Uh, good night, everybody, and good luck. Haunted by your soul.